So the journey of 52 Weeks of Why has been so enlightening for me. I've, I've met so many cool people and gotten a chance to interact with so many people. And uh, now I have the privilege of interviewing somebody that, that has had such an influence on my life after only a couple times hearing him speak um, and watching his YouTube videos and hearing his story. Um, a real life family man, very much like myself, but also interested in helping other people grow uh, and interested in helping people shift the way they look at things and the way they look at their life. Uh, but before I go in any further into that introduction, as always, I have a very quick quote. This one is short and simple and to the point, and it's so applicable for the times that we find ourselves in. It is when you reach the end of your rope, mm. tie a knot and hold on. <laughs> Love it. And for me, like that's Thomas Jefferson, right? And for me, the why, the why is the not. When when nothing else is there, yeah. when you've reached the end of your rope, um, these challenging times that we're finding ourselves in are true tests of character. Your real character comes out when you're put under a lot of strain and a lot of anxiety. Um, and that why is the defining factor of, of that, that not. Um, so my guest today uh, is Ryan Leek. Ryan is an amazing artist, an amazing author, an amazing husband, an amazing dad. Um, I will share, his bio is so long that I will not spend five minutes going through it here on our interview. Um, but truly, uh, Ryan, I want you to tell a little bit about your story with your wife, because I don't, I don't want to try to interpret that. I want you to share that very quickly with us and tell us about your kids and your job, and then I'll go right into your why. Um, sure. But Ryan, thank you for being here, man. I appreciate yeah. it. It's an honor to be a part of it, man. I think it's a, an important conversation to have, and I think it helps people, and that's what I'm, I'm all about. Um, so my wife and I, uh, let's see, we started dating about uh, 12 years ago. Uh, probably three years into our relationship, I overheard her tell a friend she thought it would be cool to get engaged and married on the same day. Uh, the following two years, I began uh, surprising her uh, with a wedding. I started planning our wedding behind her back. And so in 2013, um, I proposed to her in the morning and we got married that night. A hundred of our family and friends uh, flew to Miami to surprise her. And uh, there's a documentary on YouTube called The Surprise Wedding. Anybody could go and kind of watch that. And uh, we since then have had two kids. One is five years old. His name is Jackson. And we have a uh, one-year-old. His name is, is Roman. Um, over the past couple of years, um, I started uh, traveling, speaking a little bit more. Um, I grew up in church. And so that was kind of where I kind of licked my chops a little bit in just uh, getting reps in, in front of people. And um, I slowly but surely realized uh, in my 20s that people... Um, outside of the church needed uh, just as much help as people in the church. And so I thought, man, I, I, I'd like to figure out a way that I can just help people, not just people that come to church. And um, so I, I started doing some executive coaching and some corporate practice. And uh, so I actually get to spend quite a bit of time in, in the uh, church world and quite a bit of time uh, in corporate America as well um, as an author, uh, as a speaker, and as a, an executive coach. Um, and share with everybody, you, you have a book that I've, I've since read. When I first heard you speak, I hadn't read it yet. 
uh, and I've since read it. I, I don't, do you have more than one book or is it just the one for now? I actually have three books, um, you know, one on the way. I actually just signed a book deal this week, actually. That's brand news, okay? So that, that, that's special content just, just for you. Um, so uh, the first book that me and my wife wrote, Some Relationships, is called The One. Uh, then uh, the other book, I did like a little book called Chasing Failure. Um, and uh, the latest book is called uh, Unoffendable. Yeah, so I haven't, I love the, the title of Chasing Failure, and I love the one, like, I'm with you in the sense that my wife and I have been together for um, going on 19 years. Uh, she's a very patient woman. We didn't get engaged until eight years into our relationship. Um, got married a year later, and like you, uh, had kids shortly thereafter. And, and there's something to be said for that commitment and, and having that test of time with that one person uh, as, as the person who's standing by your side, right? Um, but can definitely vouch for how amazing Unoffendable is. Very easy read. You do a good job of taking a complex topic and breaking it down into something that, that is digestible. And with kids running around, I, I read just sitting in my chair and my kids are running around and, and you can do that with your book where there's some books that like, you're like, no, I can't even begin to try like reading a book like this when my kids are around and yours, it was very cool. And I, I can't wait to hear about the new one. I'm, I'm hooked now. So you got me. Um, share with us your why. Uh, so this is a great question. No one's ever actually asked me this question. Uh, when I think about my why. Um, I, I, I think about the world and when I look at the world around me, not just this week, um, but I think in general, uh, there is a great need of hope. And for me, um, I know I have a whole lot of it. And so when I go out into the world to do any job, I am trying to spread as much hope as I possibly can. And um, part of what I get to do um, in my role, um, whether it's in church or in, in an organization, is I try to peel back all of our layers. I try to look past um, a suit. I try to look past a degree. I try and look past a salary. I try to look past an accolade and get to the real person. Of, of who we are and authentic human beings. And oftentimes you will find uh, behind these very, very powerful and successful men and women are really uh, inside of each and every one of us are that same little boy and that same little girl in elementary and middle school that sometimes is afraid, that sometimes is insecure. And on some levels, uh, I don't think we ever grow up. <laughs> I think we just get bills. <laughs> <laughs> and we are kids that have kids and I think that life can get people down pretty quickly and uh, bad things happen to good people and in that moment I think they need inspiration and I think uh, that's that's a major part of my why is to use to really give people hope so that's what I would say my why is. I love it I think it, it's 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 um, an indication of your faith. I think also that, that by being a person of faith, you, you have a hope. Um, 
Yeah. And I think that, that that feeds very well into your why. So I heard a couple of different words, and I want to make sure I sum this up right. Sure. Um, I heard um, inspiration. Yeah. Um, I heard hope. Um, and I heard you talk about, um, not necessarily in this word, but a little bit more about relatability um, and taking us back down to that, yeah. that level playing field that we can all relate on. Yeah. Um, so is this this idea to to bring hope and inspiration and and is, is connectivity a better word than relatability um or is it is it because i feel like you you create a connection with people and and that connection yeah. is through we as humankind are all connected right yeah absolutely and i think um i think a lot of us live with a sense of who do we need to become to be accepted and loved and to belong. Um, and I think I, I want to create a space whenever I'm speaking to somebody that they can be themselves, that they can really just be exactly who they are without fear of losing my interest or losing love, that they can, they can be just who they are. And I think that can be difficult when you've been applauded your whole life for winning trophies. And, um, but if, if you put all of your identity in, in a trophy or an award or a salary, um, it will fail you one way or another. It will never be enough to, I believe, make a person fulfilled. Um, I can't tell you how many friends of mine that are very successful that have had goals, massive goals that they reached and they're going, but something's still wrong. Massive house dream house something's still wrong and so i uh yeah so i i think part of part of it is i i, I want the uh i want the world to have hope and I, I think hope put it like this uh you mentioned me being a person of faith which i am i think everybody's a person of faith i think everybody has a faith in something a person that's full of hope is a person that has a faith in a positive future a person that maybe is a person uh, riddled with fear um, is a person that has put faith in a negative future. There's still a person of faith. We're all going to put our faith somewhere. Um, I would just encourage a person to put their faith um, in a positive future that think that the, our best days are, are ahead of us. And, um, and so I, I, I firmly believe that message and uh, it's why I add a lot of humor into every keynote that I do um, because I think, um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've told a joke and, and had a full plate of content in a keynote and uh, a person won't even pay attention to anything that I said. And, uh, I'll never forget a woman came to me after, after a keynote, she said, I just lost my dad and I just needed to laugh today. And that's, and for me, I'm just going, yeah, why can't we do that for each other? Why can't we provide a space for a person to be off? for just a moment and uh, maybe just give them a little bit of dose of, of medicine. And sometimes that's just putting a smile on somebody's face. I, I totally agree, especially in times like this where there is a lot of higher anxiety and a lot of um, uncertainty that, that sometimes just that, that fit of laughter can just all the, everything that happens chemically and emotionally when you laugh 
it's amazing how much different that makes everything. It changes the whole direction of your of your day, right? Um, no, I think it's interesting that you talk about those guys who've achieved the pinnacles of their goals and their success and how that didn't give them um, that sense of completion. And uh, that this is something that a theme that I've read over and over again in every book about um, success and and mindfulness and every uh, success mentor that I've listened to, they all have this vision of the person, not the thing, right? You have to picture the person that you wish to be and the person that you will be when you realize that goal, but not the tangible thing itself, that, that you're not defined by those things. Um, you're defined by those moments of character. Um, and this goes to a quote that, that I heard, and I can't remember who it was that said it, but it said, one mistake doesn't make you a monster any more than one good deed makes you a saint. Yeah. Um, and that having that one good thing, it's it's not all of a sudden going to change everything when you realize it. So is this is this something, did you have this, was this bringing hope and inspiration, um, something that was with you when you were a teenager, um, or is this something that happened in your adult life? Um, that's a great question. I think in uh, fifth grade, actually, was the first time that I realized, like, oh, life is real. Like, I'm not a kid anymore. Um, my dad had a stroke, and I knew it was going to drastically change the dynamics of my family. And... I remember thinking to myself, I have a choice to make. I remember in fifth grade thinking, the decision I make now will determine the trajectory of my entire life. I remember thinking that, that profound of a thought at fifth grade. And I remember thinking, um, this can either destroy me, this can either break me or make me. And I'm going to have to grow up a lot faster than I want it to. Like I, and in some ways I, I felt like, man, my childhood was interrupted. And in that moment, I thought, um, I want to help people in pain, perhaps the rest of my life and see if we can't find some good in some of the bad see if we can't find a glimmer of hope, see if we can't find some light in a dark moment. And, and the more I did it, the more I, I saw that people needed it. I started in middle school, ironically, I was bored in class and I would, uh, I would take time uh, in class to uh, write encouragement notes to friends. And I'd just leave it in their locker. And it would go so well, I would just do it all the time. I would just pick a different classmate and I would just keep doing it and keep doing it. And about nine times out of 10, a friend would always respond with a note and they would all say the same exact, the exact same words. They would say, I really needed that today. I really needed that today. I really needed that today. So I grew up with the mindset that nine out of 10 people need encouragement. <laughs> Because yeah. there's never a moment. In fact, I've never met anybody that said, I don't need any encouragement. I'm good. Like, I, I, just, I just walk around with the assumption that everybody needs it. And so um, I just, everything I do, every piece of content, every word that I write, it's to, it's to encourage people because so many people need it. They are 
um, some of the people that are very successful in my world, you would think, oh, I don't need any, any encouragement. Uh, you, you'd be surprised. Who, they needed the most. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I just, I just think, man, uh, somebody needs it and why not be the person that gives it to them? Yeah, I love that. And this is very like, I'm a big fan of John Gordon too, right? And John Gordon is, is the positive warrior, right? And um, very similar in, in the aspect of, of being, going down the path of negativity is, is very easy. Um, and that, that it's, it's easy to get sucked into that whirlpool of negativity. But it's amazing how even somebody who's in that, that note is an example of how one positive thing is like that hand reaching down and, and that pulls them back up again. And, and they're like, oh, here I am, right? I'm back. I'm back yeah. because of that, that one thing of encouragement. Um, so you were 12, truly, when, when dad had a stroke. Yeah. Fifth grade, I think 11 or 12. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I, 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 may, I may go a little long because I'm going to tell a little story. So when I was 11... My mom and dad, we lived in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and my mom and dad got offered to manage a bone fishing resort in the Bahamas on the island of Deepwater Key, which wow. is a two and a half mile island. Hmm. Um, my grandfather had had a house on this island my dad's whole life. And so they got the opportunity to manage this resort because uh, local Bahamians, they're, they're not just going to accept any old white guy to come run the resort. Um, they've tried that a couple times. It didn't go very well. Dad had gone there for a long time. Um, and, and they just thought that he would be a good person to come and manage the resort. So here I am um, going into my sixth grade year and we moved to a two and a half mile island. Um, 72 miles east of Freeport, Grand Bahama, no running water. We had a cistern for water, um, no electricity. We had power generators for electric. Um, there were seven guest cottages and the guides and a very small town of about 100 people in this town called McLeanstown, which unfortunately has been wiped off the map. Uh, with the most recent hurricane that just hovered its eye over Freeport last year. Um, but same as you, I, I, there was a change that took place um, mm. when I was the only blonde haired, blue eyed white boy within 70 miles. Wow. And I was 11 and 12 years old walking through this shanty town um, and, and interacting with, with kids who'd never seen a white person before and interacting with natives who, um, it, it was life-changing for me and it, it changed the whole paradigm of how I feel about, about racism, about color, none of it, we're, we're all people, like you said, you boil it all down to brass taxes, there's a scared little boy or a little girl in there somewhere, yeah. um, but it was an eye-opening experience for me. Now, in today's world, uh, I engaged with a couple teenagers yesterday their, their big takeaway from not being in school and the situation that we're going through with, with uh, the coronavirus is that adults don't have it very much more together than they do. <laughs> sure. And they thought that this was mind-blowing. Just in my conversation with them, they couldn't figure out why we didn't just have 
a snap of our finger contingency plan in place for them to be able to continue their normal daily routine despite what we're going through. And that that was, I think that's a, a testimony to your, what you experienced at age 12, that, that dad had experienced something for which there was no magic wand that you could wave to fix. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of kids unanimously across the board are having that eye-opening moment right now, right, as we speak. So, man, that's, it's cool to hear that this has been your why for so long. Um, so when you wake up in the morning, um, how does that why, does it, is it something that's like, today's the day, let's go, or is it something you have, you have a routine that you get yourself into to get rolling? Tell me how that why gets you going in the morning. Uh, I don't, I wake up in the morning thinking somebody's hurting. Um, I wake up in the morning thinking somebody needs help. And, um, is there something that you can create that's going to help them move the ball forward? Somebody's stuck in, um, somebody is, they have a problem that they don't know how to get past. And so is there anything that I can do to help them? So, and so from that, I create. Sometimes it's a film. Sometimes it's a book. Sometimes it's a message. Sometimes it's a coffee. You know, each person needs something different. I don't, I, I simultaneously don't live with the pressure of going, you got to help everybody and fix everybody's problem. But um, I think whenever I fly, you kind of see all of these squares across America whenever you look down. And uh, one of my good friends, he says, uh, it's like God's given us all a square to take care of. And so for me, I just think about, man, um, whatever my square is, uh, whatever clients I do have, whatever group of people I am in front of, whether that's 10 people or 10,000 people, um, that's the square I've been given. And I hope that I can give them hope. I hope I can put a smile on their face and I hope I can help them move forward with any of the goals that they have in their life. So you hit on something that's pretty important there because you, you're realistic about your own expectations that you set for yourself, right? You're not trying sure. to solve everybody's uh, problems. So that leads very well into how, how do you know then at the end of the day or um, at the end of a lifetime that your why has been fulfilled, that you've, you've brought hope to people or peoples? Is it in, on an individual one-on-one -on -one basis? Is it at the end of the day when you rest your head on the pillow? You know, it's, uh, I have a, um, a luxury job in the sense um, that I, I can speak to, um, you know, this weekend, um, I'll speak to uh, 10 to 15,000 people online. And 50 to 100 of them will probably write me in some way, shape, or form via Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, that sort of deal. Um, Pre coronavirus, where I was speaking live at events, um, I, I would get the luxury of, uh, people being able to come up to me and say something that I said made a difference. Um, there are many things that I do where I, I may never know uh, or, or may never get to meet the person that said, hey, um, you know, this made a difference. So, um, I, somebody hit me up on LinkedIn 
they watched a video I did and put on YouTube and they quit their job and started a company in New York. You know, it's like, oh, well, I didn't tell you to do that. They're like, well, you did. You didn't know it. And so, um, so there's, uh, I have a devotional on uh, what's called the Bible app and uh, 250,000 people have gone through a devotional that I wrote, I don't know, five years ago. Um, so I have no idea what the ripple effect of that is. Um, I just try and be a good steward of my square and give my best um, every day that I possibly can. And I, I believe that, you know, at the end of my life, you know, uh, whoever is, is standing up at my memorial service, I think they'll have a good story to tell. I think your kids and their kids will have a good story to tell too, right? Because they're bound to be positively impacted by this. They're bound to be um, influenced by the hope that you're bringing and seeing you bring hope. We're, we're all influenced in one way or another by our parents, by our dad, or by our mom, um, and what they do and how they conduct themselves and how they interact with each other. Um, and I think you know, understanding that, that your hope is, is to, or excuse me, your why is to bring hope, um, I'm sure that they're going to be positively influenced by that, right? So uh, before we wrap up, any, any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanna encourage anybody that's watching, you know, that especially during this time where um, it can feel like nonstop negativity. Um, the reality is we're only going to hear about more people that got the coronavirus, you know, um, it was the flu. We wouldn't be doing a flu count, <laughs> but it is the nature of what it is because it is, it is very, very serious. But I just, I just want to encourage people, you know, as they hear things uh, to stay, stay full of hope. I really do believe our best days uh, are ahead. And I think um, the more we can work together and be there for one another, I think we'll pull through this and, and uh, we'll be okay. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that um, if nothing else has come out of this, it's, it's created this feeling that we're all going through it together, right. that nobody is exempt from this. And uh, there are there are things that I'm seeing and a shift in the way that people are interacting with each other and the shift in the dynamic of, of the way we communicate happening right now. Um, that's not just limited to a segment of the population. It's not limited to a particular ethnicity or language or anything. It's, it's unit. We're all going through it together. And there's something about that. Um, that to me is so empowering and so neat to see you truly begin to see um, you, you hit on something earlier when you say, look for the helpers, right? You begin to see the helpers come to the forefront and, and shine that bright light, that beacon of hope that people can latch on to um, and help people. Ryan, thank you for your message. Uh, thank you for your books. Thank you for your story about your engagement and marriage to your wife. Um, thanks for your, your commitment to her and yeah. to your children. I think that um, the, you, you are representative of someone that I look up to in that aspect, that you have a career, you have something that you're all in on. 
Um, but I know that you're dedicated to your kids and to your wife and that you foster those relationships. And so um, thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time with me very humbly to be here with me and share. Absolutely. It was my pleasure.